This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Steve. I mean, we had a little bit of, like, kind of, like, real track this week, but I am a little disappointed in something because I was looking at my calendar at work today, and on my calendar for this weekend, I had listed... The U.S. Olympic trials. Boys, we could be getting on a plane tonight to head to Eugene to go watch some Olympic trials, have a hell of a weekend, and that's just not what we're doing tonight. So, a little bummed about that, I gotta be honest. Yeah, that's that's depressing. (laughs) Anyways, as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm I'm doing good, boys. I'm doing uh, very, very good tonight, and, and I'm in Disappointed, of course, that trials are not happening, but I just want my father to know that even if the trials were happening, I may have chosen to stay home this weekend to spend Father's Day with my dad. It's also my mom's birthday this weekend, so shout out to my mom. I probably would have bailed on the trials as well to hang out um, with my parents, so so don't don't think I'm only home because there was uh, uh, some cancellations in the track and field world. I definitely would have chosen to be home regardless of the current events. Trent, that's a brutal present weekend you got your mother's birthday and father's day that's tough you gotta like you gotta like save up for this weekend every year it was tough as a young man but as i grew older it actually was sweet because now i just need one present right i kind of get the duel you know the the going out to dinner that's just and now you got a couple brothers we all just pitch in it's 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 kind of sweet it's like you know if you're a kid you have your birthday on christmas it's terrible but your siblings must love that, right? They only got to get you kind of like one gift. They just get you one big gift or something like that. So there is some advantages that I figured out. That's a good point. I like that. I have in September, I have my wife's birthday, my mother's birthday, and my parents' anniversary all within like the same four-day stretch. It's just a brutal, brutal week of gifts. Am, am I a bad child for having never celebrated my parents' anniversary? And, and they're still together. And I just... I don't even know what it is, to be honest. I have never gotten oh, no, them. I'm not sure I even ever wished them a happy anniversary. For somebody who spent the, like, three minutes at the top of the show plugging that you would stay home for, <laughs> yeah. you know, your parents' holidays this weekend, to not even know when your parents' anniversary is, it's, it's a little weak sauce over there, Trento. I mean, I'm sure I could look it up. And I probably have heard, like, you know, it... it it's spoken at one point in time, but yeah, I got I got no idea. So if my parents are listening to this, um, just forget about that. This is all a big prank because maybe this year I'll remember, but I probably won't. So to that point, trying getting somebody an anniversary present is kind of a weird thing. Like that's like, you know, that's like a very much like a A B like husband wife like type present thing. Why should other Why should your kids or somebody else be getting you an anniversary present? With that said, my anniversary is this weekend. So if you guys <laughs> want to hook me up with a present, just yeah, you can send it my way too. I, I as I was saying it, I was like, oh, never mind. Why yeah, am I making the argument against? Yeah, it's pretty tough time to be bringing that conversation. Yeah, well, why, why was I making the argument against getting presents on my anniversary? <laughs> Anyways, guys, 
we are in the midst of a P2E logo rebrand, and it could not be going any better. On Friday, we dropped the new P2E logo. We accompanied it with a little hype video. Guys, it is awesome. People are loving it. What do you guys think? I just can't wait to get that Mike Gendron Jumpman logo on a sweet like running hat or a singlet or something. I can't wait. That's uh that's the last time it's referred to as the Mike Gendron uh Jumpman logo. That by by volunteering that photo to be um part of the iconic brand name or brand logo peak too early you are forfeiting yourself you know as the, as the baseline that is now the peak too early Jumpman logo all right i can live with that but we all know we all know. we we need a better name than so obviously we kind of took it you took some inspiration from the from the jordan brand Jumpman, but we need a better name from it what what do we come up with we talked a little bit about the the yeah, the, the run man. man the running the running man's a good one yeah um the 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 washed man the washed man that's a good mm-hmm. one mm. the running oh, yeah. man one is fun because it's got the whole you know it's got it's got a couple <laughs> meanings to it i like i that. like that I, like I, I think i think yeah uh that should be the leader in the clubhouse shirts unless somebody can give us a better one i like i like the running man that's a good one this but, could be another thing where like we talk about for weeks how we're going to name give a nickname to our listeners and then just Six months later, just never do it. So. Hey, 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 we, we're still going to do it, right, guys? We yeah, just haven't good. got the right submission yet. We appreciate all the people continuing to submit names for the listeners. If you have good ideas, please submit them. If you already did, just submit it again because we might have forgotten about it. Um, but don't rule anything out. This is classic peak to early. We may say we're going to do something and we don't get it done as fast as we would like or expect to, but we, we get it done eventually. Yeah, I'm just working really hard on setting up the treadmill wars. So right after the treadmill wars <laughs> is when we're going to do the the listener nickname ballot. One thing at a time. Yeah, that's right. One thing at a time. So I'm meeting uh, later this week to make sure we get some awesome merch printed up with this new logo. And so the way we're going to do it, I think we, we've teased this uh, for the past couple weeks, but... Peak Too Early is going to have a virtual race. If we can't run together in person, we're going to run together over the internet. We're going to we're going to have a virtual race. And the way that you sign up for this virtual race, all you need to do is buy a t-shirt. So you buy a dope P2E t-shirt, a t-shirt that you buy that you would just buy otherwise. But once you buy one, you're entered for the for the P2E virtual race. So we have a lot more details coming on that. We're going to be doing uh, we're going to be releasing some sneak peeks of the merch that is coming, but it is going to be awesome. That logo looks just so fresh and so clean. It's going to look awesome on a T-shirt. So stay tuned. I can't wait. For all the uh, the runners out there that thought they had the summer off and now you're freaked out because now you have a road race on your calendar. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, Steve, Mike, and I had a, a real big week of training a few weeks back. But other than that, I think we're right in your position. So we're going to take our time here. I'm not even sure. We, we haven't even set a date yet for this. We have a little bit of time. But start, start get the little running a little bit. Get the heart rate monitors out. And we'll all get in shape together for this one. All right, Mike. Let's kick off the running news. All righty. So leading off our news this week. Uh, last week, the legendary Carl Lewis showed up on a flow truck podcast garbage podcast by the way i'm just gonna throw it out there you should listen to ours not theirs 
but he was on there talking about uh, basically how this sport needs to start condensing and we need to have less athletes and focus on a smaller group of athletes. And we'll put a clip in here, just a small clip to kind of hear what he was talking about. I think we're taking a wrong stance on this, this, the way we're doing track and field internationally. Now this is the professional level. It's clear that there are way too many athletes that run post-collegiate. Our, our sport is not like football or basketball or baseball where there are a finite amount of athletes that can run. Anyone that wants to run post-collegiate can't. There are too many athletes, too many agents, too few meets, too few events. Honestly, I think our leadership should take this as an opportunity to reboot. To reboot. Let's just go back to General Motors. I mean, they were bloated and big and struggling and filed for bankruptcy back in 2008. Well, they came out a leaner and meaner and smaller company, and they're right back extremely successful again. That's what track needs to do. We need to reboot and come back with about 60% of the athletes that we have now. And that's just the reality of it. And can set new standards where we can we can create a, a definitive number of how many athletes are at the second level so that we can better serve the great athletes instead of constantly scraping uh, to serve the athletes that should have retired and gone into a job. All right, guys. So what do you think about what uh, Carl had to say? Mike, I think that this is the dumbest take we have heard in this sport in so long. We talk about it all the time, that there is so much that our sport could do to grow, so much that our sport isn't doing to grow, and less athletes taking money away from the athletes is not the answer. And I didn't even understand his argument. So it's like, so it's, it's like if, you, if you don't run a certain time, you get relegated and you just don't have an opportunity to become a professional Runner, I, I, he, he referenced how the, how the NCAA it has, has, has more runners, but you could argue that the NCAA does a better job of promoting our sport than the professional level. So if there's more athletes and they do a better job of promoting our sport than the professional level, how does that argument make any sense? I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around this, and I just don't get it at all. Yeah, I'm impressed that we made it this far. I thought, Steve, you were gonna, you know, just start the show off with this right immediately with you before our before our pre news banter that we like to get into, because um, this was this was brutal on a number of levels. And I I think first off, you know, I totally disagree with the premise. You know, I think as we we all do about there's too many athletes, right? But I I think it's just such a, a just a poorly thought out uh, argument, kind of like you said, Steve. It doesn't really make too much sense and i actually you know before, when we're done bashing him i want to kind of take what he had said what he said and try to run with it a little bit and try to think you know what what is some positive takeaways from it um but he made an argument that the that we're serving you know too much to the people who are those second tier athletes it's like we've talked to a lot of the you know what you would consider the second tier athletes what is track and field doing for them? I mean, right? those guys can't get by. Like, what money do they have? And then if the shoe company wants to sponsor somebody, you're going to tell the shoe company not to, not to sponsor them because they're not meeting some certain level. I mean, the, the, the way to grow the sport is to sponsor all the, like, the interesting people, the good stories out there. The, the, like, let the shoe company decide whoever the hell they want to sponsor, right? Don't tell them they can't sponsor you know, athletes that aren't hitting a certain level. So I, I just don't understand you know, where he's coming from and how – uh, his, 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 his end goal is met by, by this argument of cutting athletes. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, Trent, and I'm not trying to disrespect one of the greatest, um, 
Sorry, my uh, sounds did. like you are trying to. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I don't know what just happened. My Zoom, it just like my screen completely shut off for a second. There. Yeah. All right. Anyways, so I, I'm not trying to disrespect one of the greatest ever to do it in this sport, but like, it's isn't it easy for someone like Carl Lewis, who was one of the greatest, right? to make this statement? It's like, what do you know about the guy who's scrapping? To, to make ends meet and just like trying to fulfill his contract every every time it's like it, it's a real easy statement to make to say like yeah like this sport doesn't need those people when you're not in those shoes and so many of the personalities in this sport are in that class so it's like I don't think that that is the problem but he did bring up some things that kind of move towards what the problem is but he said we have too few events and too few meets in this sport I was like, what are you talking about? We, that's part of the problem. We have way too many. And we don't have a microscope on important ones, right? right? We, don't, we should just have a few major track meets a year that get people going, right? Like there's a million golf matches all year long. But the ones that people tune into are the four majors. This idea that we have too few track meets going on and that's the problem we, we we can't water down this sport anymore. It's not too many athletes. It's too many track meets. We need to find out what the important ones are and hype those ones up better. One thing he did say is we need a reboot. And that's where I kind of agree with him. But I don't mean that by like condensing the athletes. I mean, let's find a new way to regroup the athletes, to regroup the brands and form teams, create rivalries between teams, right? Instead of just having these guys wear these logos on their jerseys make it like when we go to a track meet it's like all right it's brooks beast versus you know uh you know nike bowerman uh and you know reebok boston like these guys are going against each other and let's have it like a free agency and like people go different teams and make a bigger deal about these teams going against each other and not just like randomly who they're sponsored by that's how we need to reboot we need to create rivalries competitions have teams go against each other like a league like every other professional sport in the entire world that has teams that go against each other but cutting athletes give me a break what what other sport do we talk about saying like yeah we need less of these guys in the sport it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he, he tries to make the comparison to, to sport like football or basketball. It's like those guys, you know how many athletes play football, right. right? And then there's also multiple leagues, right? If you're not good enough to make the NFL, you go and play, you know, arena football. You go play Canadian football. Same thing with the NBA in basketball. You got the G League going on. Um, it, there's, not, there's not like a, a glut or, or a hard cap on the athletes. They just get kind of like you said, Mike, maybe just regrouped a little bit there. Um, but I do want to go off of what, what you kind of said a little bit more, Mike, where, and what a Carl actually, maybe, maybe he just needed to, to talk to us or something like that, help him <laughs> straighten out what he really wanted to say, but you could do something, right? You could do something where you have kind of like the premier league, um, the European soccer uh, setup where there's an elite, um, an elite league an elite few track meets, right? And in order to stay qualified for them, you have to run a certain time or something like that. And that, you know, encourages people to show up to every race or if you, you know, if you come in a certain position, certain times in a row, you kind of get cut to that lower tier. I'm not saying those athletes need to go away or anything like that. Um, I'm saying you could, you know, regroup it a little bit and have a few meets that require, you know, steady pass performance for you to stay up there. So you could kind of reboot it and get creative like that, but in no way do you need to cut athletes. Just, just, yeah, make like a, reboot it and restructure it a little bit 
Trent, I see that as kind of like making a starting lineup, right? Like you have bench players in other sports, like make it so like you go to a track meet and a team can run so many athletes. So you have your starters and then you have your bench guys who don't get to compete at that meet and they have to fight for their spot to compete the team. It doesn't mean they can't be on the team. It just means that they have to fight for their spot on, you know, on, on game day. Couple, couple thoughts here. So I was trying to, I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of like who would be the poster child of, of um, going against fighting against Carl Lewis's kind of stance here. And I was, I was trying to think, I was trying to rack my brain. What about a guy like Noah Drody, right? A guy who was a D three runner started off. Wasn't great. I mean, he would, I would definitely consider him in the top 60% of, of marathoners in the U S right now, but when he first started, probably not, you know, he kind of worked his way up, ended up working his way to the, to the trials in 2016 with Brooks. And now he's with Saucony and he's a guy who, He's not making, he didn't make the, you know, the Olympics. He was 200 for, for the trials, but he's got a very unique image. He's got a very unique personality and a company like Saucony is able to get behind him. And they would have never had the opportunity to, to do that if it was, if it was kind of for Carl, Carl Lewis's philosophy on this. And the other thing is, it's like, okay, you want to talk about money limiting the amount of athletes in the sport doesn't necessarily mean that the shoe companies are going to give those athletes that they keep more money doesn't mean that at all. So what does that mean? Like, what are you going to do to those, those top 60% athletes? Are you going to like, I don't know what it means, what he means by focus on those athletes. Are you going to like pump them full of drugs or what? I don't, what do you mean by that? Carl Lewis? I mean, it's crazy. Like I think the, the first thing that our sport needs to look at is if we if these athletes need more money, if we need to bring more attention and more cash flow into the sport, let's open up the sponsorships to 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 companies outside of just the running world. It is set up where a runner can only get a sponsorship through an apparel um, shoe shoe company. Let's open it up. Let's see what kind of sponsorships you can get. Okay, that's how you bring more money into the sport. So you're saying, yeah. Steve, you want to expand the amount of companies that can sponsor athletes, not expand limit the, the amount of athletes so like an apparel company can sponsor? I mean, the idea that taking – okay, so you take away you take away the amount of people that can represent this brand. So you have people at the top. That doesn't mean that that money, the money you take away from them is going to the top athletes. It doesn't mean that at all. That money is going elsewhere. They have allocated how much this person is worth, how much money they are giving to this person, okay? They want to bring on more people, spread the amount of influence they can get across more athletes, so they pay more athletes. Taking money away from the lesser athletes doesn't mean more money for the top athletes. It just doesn't. That's a fact. Yeah, and there's so many steps and, like, things we could try and experiment with in this sport before we get to cutting athletes out. I mean, like we know that there's systematic problems in the in tracking field and everyone talks about them. Everyone's pointing them out. Like we were talking about with Mac fleet last week, just like the way it's covered is one big step of how we grow this sport. So instead of trying to cut athletes and get them out of there, why don't we try and grow the sport and get more money pumped into the sport, get more sponsorships, get more interest, get more fans, get more people talking about it and watching it. That's how you grow the sport. Not, getting rid of 40% of the field. What are you talking about? Plus, and if you want to grow interest, right? And if you want to 
you're kind of thinking the way Carl is, it's what you said earlier, Mike, it's, it's cut back the meats, right? Put a little bit more attention, maybe on a, a few select meats. Um, that, that'll maybe bring a little bit more attention to it. It doesn't matter how many lower tier athletes uh, are out there, you know, hustling to, to get by and, and winning um, whatever race they can get into just to get by. That doesn't affect, you know, the, the end product that's out there. Um, I do not want, I do want to make sure we don't miss this opportunity to uh, shit on flow track as well. And I know <laughs> right where I was going with this trend. Okay. I, I know. And listen, flow track's an easy target, right? They're, they're the, the ones covering track and field, you know, mostly right. Most prominently. Um, so there's a lot of tension on them and they have their paywall, which is a business decision that, we disagree with in a lot of ways, but you know, somebody made that decision. So I, I'll admit they're an easy target, but you get to an interview like this where I don't even know the guy's name, but Carl is making this argument that is first off, super easy to disagree with, right? We just put all the points down saying how we think this is preposterous, but it also was like pretty incoherent in the beginning, kind of jumping from side to side. And he's just going along with it. And it's like, what kind of interview is this? I mean, we're we're the definition of guys that don't want to ask like super tough questions to our guests. And if somebody was saying something like this, I guarantee you would have dived into it a little bit more, tried to actually get a full understanding of what he was saying. So it was just it was just terrible. Trent, you know what we should do? What? We should relegate the bottom forty percent of shitty running podcasts off the internet. <laughs> That's what we should do. If you, if you are in the bottom 40% of, of, of just shit putting out on the end of, of just terrible coverage of this sport, get them off the friggin' internet. Now we're talking now. Now we have ideas. This is, this is great. We are, we are making progress boys. All right. Are we ready for the next news story, gentlemen? Give me, give me a second. Take a cold shower here. I need to die down the, the anger, <laughs> the, the fired upness that, that is, a. Uh, is happening well, right now get get excited trental because Ooh. track track is back baby maybe we don't have the olympic trials this weekend but we did have the impossible games and i watched every second of it and as expected it wasn't perfect right it wasn't the most entertaining thing that i have ever seen but there was components of it that were good and i think that they you know tried and, and some didn't work and i thought some actually kind of worked pretty well um, so in my opinion, I thought the best event was the Inga Britson versus uh, chariot kind of 2k race. So it happened a little bit differently than I thought it was going to go down. It wasn't a real or anything like that. It was, they had the three Inga Britson brothers and then chariot and two of his teammates. And they had a couple of pacers in there. And basically they just went after a 2k and they took the top three times on each side and you know basically kind of scored it like a combined time deal and um it it was cool the production was cool right they had like both guys racing on side-by-side cameras and it was that kind of stuff that was like all right we're getting big names in the sport we're putting them on this platform and having them go head to head was super cool i mean the other stuff was was great too they're doing other kinds of stuff, but the time trials didn't really do it for me. Uh, Mondo Dupont has dominated the pole vault, and that was cool and stuff like that. But for me, this part of it was definitely the coolest. 
I was uh, I was shocked to see Duplantis dominate the way he did. I had uh, for those of you guys listening to last week's episode, I felt really good about my my pick against him. I thought the uh, international travel would slow him down. Potential, you know, fourteen day quarantines at a hotel room somewhere out there that would prevent him from even <laughs> competing. Uh, so I, I have to admit, I got that one wrong. So did you did you guys get a chance to watch the two uh, K versus the Ingebrigtsen's in the? I did. did, and I mean this it. <laughs> It's set up for like a perfect sterile environment for the Ingebrigtsen's. Like this is pretty yeah, much I mean, like their Super Bowl. And then you cut to Nairobi and you have Team Chariot with with an aging uh, – who, who was it? It was uh, – uh, what's his name? Um, I can't really get his name. Uh, Manangoy. Uh, it was aging Menangoy and then two kind of no names in a pouring rainstorm. And the wind was wind like whipping. whipping. <laughs> it was just like you look at them and like the Ingerbritz is like, they, it's just like everything has been building up for them for this beautiful, sterile environment. And then you look at the Kenyans out there and it's just like they want no part of this. I'm sure they're collecting a little bit of money. So they happen to be collecting a little bit of money to run. But it was just a miserable day in Nairobi. Just it, wanted no part of it if the younger brits didn't win that there would have been something really really wrong so did you guys also see the like lights on the inside of the track it was the green lights flashing that showed like the appropriate pace for i guess like yeah. a national record or something like that so that Ingebrigtsen's not only had pacers in perfect conditions but they had lights on the inside of their track that showed them where they needed to be which was very cool and like cool technology but the side-by-side -side of the two teams going against each other was almost comical about just how like perfect one side was and how just miserable the other one was. <laughs> it was insane. And they're at, they were at, they were at altitude too. I mean, yeah. I mean, Inger Britson's at sea level. These guys are at crazy altitude. It was just like, I mean, I, I picked team chariot to win, but you know, watching that, it didn't take very long for you to be like, Oh, these guys just don't want to be out here. They have no shot to win. I mean, I mean that's that's part of the the virtual game that we're all kind of sucking right now, right? I mean, unless you threw those guys in an indoor track somewhere, which would not be nearly as fun. Um, this is this is what we're signed up for, and and like Mike said, it's the the comical you know nature of it, and just the the fun of seeing the two different environments. While it takes away from the pure competitive competitiveness of the event, and, you know, it's it doesn't take away, I think, from the entertainment value of it. I enjoyed watching it and, and, and it's, it's the best we can do right now. Like it, it's the best we got. And at least the sport of track and field is trying, right? They're trying, you know, they got the big names like, like chariot versus the Ingerbritsen brothers who are just, there's so many, it, it's just an interesting story, right? So I enjoyed watching it and I want, I want track the sport of track and field to just keep taking your shots, keep shooting your shot, keep trying to put out fun stuff like this because you know, I mean, it's it's going to catch some attention. For sure. Uh, some of the other quick notes that I had, um, the no crowd, they, the fans that were there, there was some kind of funny things. They put like fake posters in the stands, which is funny, but they had like these weird like dancing dolls in the crowd that were going for the entire like three hour meet, which was very weird. But then there was a group of uh, Nor or Norwegians or I don't know. Yeah, Norwegians. 
Norwegians that were up on a, a cherry picker just crushing beers watching the meat which was yeah, that, electric that, that was, was like the best part. part that was the best I was part like, I was like God. I want to hang out with those guys I was like yeah look we need to get to that meet and do that so that was that was funny um Duplantis is just a stud and uh he kind of he kind of makes me nervous because he's like having all this recognition he's like almost like the face of track and field which is crazy as a pole bolter but he's doing it at such a young age that I worry like is he gonna go down like the path of like a you know uh you know child celebrity who gets like all this fame and fortune as a young kid and then you know unfortunately Mike I don't don't know if there's that kind of money in pole vaulting. <laughs> Steve, this dude's a mega superstar. I don't That's know. True. He just kind of gives me this. Um, all right, let's see. The women's 300-meter hurdles had a crazy finish. It was like down to like a lean. And then the men's 300 hurdles, the guy going for the world record just did it by himself and did break the world record and is a certified psychopath. He was getting on the line <laughs> just like smacking his chest, smacking himself in the face. That guy is nuts. He scared the crap out of me. Um and then yeah, that's pretty much all I got. So entertaining me wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it also wasn't the worst. I thought it was, you know, a job well done by track and field. And gentlemen, that's what we got for the news this week. All right. So let's get into our interview with the race director for the World Beer... Let me start over. I always have trouble with this part. All right, let's get into our Bell Lab track and field gear interview with the commissioner for the World Beer Mile Classics, the race director, Nick McFalls. Nick is a former miler, and he's kind of taken on the role of leading the charge in the the beer mile, and he's kind of been putting on these races for a while. You know, we've we've had beer mile runners on, like, uh, Lewis Kent, Gabe Gilioni, uh, 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 Corey Bellamore, Chris Robertson. And I think the beer mile is kind of part of who we are. It's part of our heritage, part of how we started this podcast. So we're really excited to talk to him and see, you know, what the, the changes are for the 2020 World Beer Mile Classic and how they're going to be doing it virtually. So let's get into it. Hey, thank you so much for, for coming on. I think when we, um, we first started this podcast, you know, we, we, were, we, were, we wanted to talk about running. Um, we wanted to kind of bring a different type of media to the world of running, but we kind of latched on to the beer mile really quickly. You know, we had guys like Chris Robertson on, Lewis Kent on. Uh, we recently had Corey Bellamore yeah. on, but we love the idea of the beer mile from the World Beer Mile Classic. I guess let's just start by how did you become the race director for this race? Oh, uh, well, you know, I, like it's one of those things. Uh, it was an opportunity that like I, I was around basically. Um, you know, I, I ran with Beast on the Nike farm team way back uh, about 20 years ago. And like, I, I knew him from partings, like that guy could put down a beer, but it wasn't anything that we had, you know, really thought about of like, we weren't doing beer miles on the gag was gags would have killed us. Ben would have killed us, you know? So it wasn't one of those, um, things that like, we weren't doing beer miles 15 or 20 years ago, but when, when kind of, I, I took a step back from competitive running and moved to San Francisco, I, I joined a club called West Valley. And one of the guys I run with is a guy named John Markell. And he was his, um, he's my age and, uh, his contemporaries, they were the guys that founded it and all he ever really wanted to do like this, you know, John's dream, uh, sporting dream was to have Jim Finlayson someday who was like the world, you know, longtime world record holder and 
and a you know legend in the beer mile just to come down to one of our beer miles in San Francisco and then suddenly we woke up one morning and be Jim James Nielsen or Beast had like a million views and you know we had been doing beer mile I'd started doing beer milers beer miles late in life and uh you know it was something that you know I had four or five under my belt at that point and I knew Beast um and uh, I knew John and I, you know, like we were looking for someone to produce the event, but I was an event producer and they, they kind of tasked me. Like, so it was like one of those things, like, you know, there, you know there's no money in it, uh, but it's like just an opportunity that you just can't pass up because it's uh, it's kind of a cool, cool event. And uh, you know, that's, that's how we started. For sure. Very cool. So obviously this year it's going to be run a little bit differently than it normally is. So can you just kind of give us an overview of, kind of what the event's going to look like this year and how people um, who want to participate in it can kind of get involved. You know, absolutely. And like, one of the things I will say is like um, beer miles for a long time, like were a solo events or just a few people uh, making, making a beer mile public is actually really hard. Like it's one of the reasons that we kind of had a lot of our events in Europe was our inability to keep a track. I think every city that, you know, we've been in, five different cities now and we've lost a venue at each of them you know we go through the permitting process and lose it so like this year's event is kind of going back to the roots of the sport a couple you know just a couple people getting together running a beer mile and, try, and trying to run it fast that's how it was before there was the world classic or there were flow tracks beer mile so this year it's just getting together um filming the fastest beer mile that you can run uh breaking it down you're there we have a probably 10 or 11 nations competing. So people there will be competing for their um, respective national teams. And then we're going to piece it together and produce it as if it, as if people are running at the same time. So they're going to be going heads, heads up And our announcers are now announcers are Josh Muxon, who does like a lot of our um, uh, on-site announcing and Travis Price, who also does that. There are two announcers, one's doing play by play and one's doing color commentary. So so um, we're gonna we're not gonna know who the winners are until they're all all you know the video is gonna come out of the top ten I think I read it on the July fourth. Yeah, it's gonna probably be the top five, and we're you know like some of that's gonna you know we're gonna kind of figure that out in product you know when we're producing it like what makes sense because uh, people have to be able to follow it and understand and, and you know it has to be an exciting event. One of the hardest things I, I will say when you, you put a beer mile together is. Uh, knowing where everyone's at and, and having a little bit of time in post-production allows us to kind of uh, know and kind of put it together and have splits and things like that, that we haven't been able to do. And when we, you know, we kind of just hosted ourselves. So hopefully, hopefully it makes sense and people will get excited about it and we'll enjoy the, the final product, but bigger focus on chugging this year. That's, that's, that's the thing. People, people love that, that part of it. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about it and the thing that I love about the beer mile is it's kind of this, underground sport within a sport it's like kind of like the punk version of running right it's it's kind of like you know that like you said before you had the world beer mile classic it was something that teams did at night on their track after their season or you got to go out alone to a track and do it and i just think that's very very cool and unique to the to the beer mile yeah and and i I think that that's the hardest like that's the thing that kind of tugs at us is you know it's hard to do a public event you know because i think like the core of the beer mile is just friends getting together uh, you know, uh, getting a couple beers, doing it, and then going out that night. So I think like we're trying to do a public is almost the the exact opposite of kind of you know what is at the heart of this sport. Yeah, but at the same time, it is actually an extremely difficult athletic feat 
to be able to run a mile really fast and to chug four beers really fast. I mean, I tell my parents about it and they kind of freak out a little bit, right? Like what? And, but yeah. to chug, to chug and run is actually extremely difficult and, and athletic. Well, yeah, it, it's like, I mean, if, if you just took any liquid and you kind of stopped, it, it's, it's like a different talent. Like, it's like, a, you know, like steeplechasing is a different talent than, you know, just r running on a flat over a flat distance, right? So this, this really like narrows the field. And I think, like, when you think of someone like Corey Belmore, or Chris Robinson, those guys are just animals. And I, like, the the way that they put the beers how would they get those beers down so quickly it's amazing to me i it's not like just because i produce a beer mile doesn't mean i'm a good beer miler you know so <laughs> like you like if you come from if you're a miler you think you can run through it but I, it's almost like 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 so i was like a uh, you know four flat miler um and then took many years of like i wasn't training anymore but my best beer miles like 640 something right and like i i've that's kind of where i you know i've taking the running easier and chugged faster but it's just the sometimes the faster you run the harder it is to chug so I don't like when I when I watched Belmore had a 424 that was disqualified and he was running for like if you took the 1570 meters that he was running he's running a four minute pace and the stop and that's with stopping chugging drinking it, and he just uh he's he's amazing you know so I, I think like uh you know I he, he may be like the the greatest of all time when it comes to beer miles and I don't know you know, if, if the times that he runs will ever be, you know, like how long it'll take to match them. Cause they're, you know, I, I don't, we, we've still only have 10 people under five minutes at this point and we haven't had any new people in the last three or four years. So that's still like kind of the gold standard, but um, you know, and you know, Chris Robertson obviously uh, is definitely, you know, like holding up the American mantle for you know, for now. And if, if there wasn't a, a beast named Corey Belmore, he'd be the guy that we'd be. Yeah. Talking. Right. Could you could you ever have imagined it would become such a serious, you know, sport for some people where the science of the like we've talked to Chris and Corey and Lewis and and they go over kind of the science of how they chug it and you know what to do and and like the, the swirl and what kind of beer and all this good stuff. Um, could you ever imagine it could become you know this broken down and this analyzed? Well, you know, like when when I first like you know we like and there's other guys like you know Corey Gallagher and you know so many great beer milers that like really understood what they needed to do, you know, in the chug zone to, you know, to be real, really efficient. But when we started five or six years ago, guys like Lewis might've been like a, a you know, a four, 358, 359, 1500 meter runner. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, you basically get about 30 seconds onto whatever, you know, you like in the chug zone uh, on top of like, you know, what, what you're running, but, yeah, I, I think there, there's there's a, a point. It's it's really harder to it's really hard to get much faster than thirty seconds, you know, with combined beers and you know in the in the chug zone. So, I I yeah, I think from the beginning we knew that these guys were thinking of the series. So so when you think about someone like Lewis Kent, there was a guy that kind of understood that you know he wasn't the fastest runner in the world, but he had an opportunity. And he really like what I really appreciate about Lewis is he saw an opportunity. He decided he wanted to be the best beer miler in the world. At, at a time there wasn't someone like Corey Gallagher out there, and he went and did that. And that's what I like. I really respect about Lewis, and he's like one of the guys that really helped, you know, put it put it out there. He was on Ellen, and you know, signed a shoe contract, and he did a, a whole bunch of things that you know, we thought we're great. And that's what we want as a, you know, a, you know, a big race is we want our athletes to be successful and use it as a platform. Yeah. So, so go ahead. 
so in, in these qualifying stages, you, know, you talk about like newcomers on the scene and, and, and new people coming in. Obviously, it's going to be a difficult way to do it, but it could happen. But I don't know what this says about me with my brain going here. How do you prevent people from cheating? I know, I know there's not like, you know, the running world is generally a pretty honest world. And I think the beer mile world is probably in that same category, real honest world, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that somebody could doctor their video and, you know, try and cheat. Uh, yeah. this, right. Um, you know, I come, from, I went to the air force Academy. So I'm like, uh, I have a, like, I think a, a lot of us have a sense of honor, you know, like, uh, For sure. You know, like, so it, it is still like, and that the, the money's not, you know, like people, people are going to sometimes cheat, but uh, I, I'd say the, like, one of the biggest cheating things that we had at one of our events is someone took the beer out of the bottle and replaced it with water and we caught him, you know, <laughs> and, and then we're like, come on, man, like, he's like, uh, I don't, I didn't know that there was water in there. And, and you know, so the, the way that we handle that is we just don't invite, like, this is, a, you know, it's a privilege to be part, like, you know, what we've really tried to do is create a community and it's a, a privilege to be in this community. Um, it's not a right. So, uh, you know, you're, we, I think all of the other beer milers just kind of took, took that person aside and just, you know, gave them a really hard time and, you know that that's just how it yeah so (laughs) so yeah it's not like you know like we don't want to see cheating um and like what the way i see the beer mile is it's like you know a fun thing to do it's not the main thing for for anyone and it's just a way to kind of get together and i I think there's an honor system there and and you know there's things that will stand like i've watched a lot of beer miles beer miles i get sent all you know all of the videos so i kind of know what to look for we know what's suspicious um so you know so yeah you can cheat but you know it's really goes against the you know the the you know what we're really trying to create here so of course yeah, i want <laughs> i want you to know that no peak too early listener nope. is gonna mess <laughs> with the beer mile i mean this regardless of what you just said i mean the, the listeners of this pod have integrity and uh i can i can put my good name on it our good name on it that our <laughs> listeners will be you know true to form out there yeah i mean um it, it's one of those things that we kind of become uh you know uh, the, the world records are, you know, like the records and the times that people run are really important to me. And so, you know, you have these set, like, you know, you, you have all of these rules, like the Kingston rules that, that kind of set things aside. And so, um, you know, uh, we've had, we've turned over like court when Belmore ran, you know, 424, he was, uh, you know, a half ounce over. So we had to disqualify. We've had, you know, marginal reversals in the chug zone, you know, where, <laughs> Uh, two women would would have been really, you know, Allie Grace Morgan and Laura Riches from England were in the chug zone with a chance at the world record. And and they both had a reverse with it. Like, it was exciting. I was like, oh man, we're going to see a world record. And then within like three seconds, they both had, they both reversed. And like, you know, we were kind of like, we went to the film and I, me and Josh Harris and uh, Lewis Kent were looking at the film and seeing, well, is that a reversal or isn't it? And, you know, just seeing like, you know, just kind of breaking, breaking down in slow motion, their spew. So. <laughs> so now there's there's an eight thousand dollar cash prize right yeah and, it, and it's broken up and i think like you know our vision was always to kind of spread the wealth you know so that people can use that like we've always wanted because like we're going overseas a lot and in europe um we've had a lot of growth there uh we you know this money just kind of basically we see the prize money as a way to get people overseas and to, to be able to travel so you mm-hmm. know it's um 
top five places, $500 down to 100 on both the men and the women. That's like a majority of ours. And then we have, uh, you know, the team there, there's about $800 for uh, in team money. There's some money for uh, people with the Olympic standard, you know, just to entice some elites just to give it a try. And we don't really have that, you know, not that many um, elites have really signed up for it yet. So hopefully we get some, you know, if you know someone that ha has run in a past Olympics or has next year's standard, you know, um, we're talking to a few people, but there's a lot of coaches kind of, uh, even in this day and age that's still <laughs> really appreciate, like they don't appreciate the beer mile, like, like as, a, as I wouldn't, nor would my coaches like, you know, that I, that I, you know, um, spent my post-collegiate time with really endorse that. But the opportunity, you know, just like I said, Lewis took advantage of the opportunity. The opportunity is like, um, you know, it's a way to make a name for yourself and, you know, like more and more, it's all, all about, you know, people's social media platforms and building that following. And, you know, there's opportunities there for the right, for the right athletes that they choose to take it. For sure. And if somebody was interested in participating, um, if they wanted to sign up, where could they go to do that? So you just like, we have a, our, on our website that we have some uh, submission rules. So if you go to beer mile world classic, um, there you, basically you're going to, I'm going to get the email of your submission. Um, we're going to look at it. Um, and then there's ways to film it. We have filming criteria so that we can watch people run and you know, that best angles because in the end we're putting together a TV show. And so there's some things that make it a little bit easier on the front end for us to do that. Definitely. Well, Hey, I got to tell you, I'm excited about this. You know, I was, you know, we, uh, we also had Gabe Gillione on. He taught, he almost talked yeah. us into coming out to Germany last year. We were thinking yeah. about coming out to Tokyo this year. So when the world gets back to normal and you're able to do an, another international world beer mile classic, I think we're going to make an attempt to come out. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about doing one in New Hampshire, like one of the world classics in New Hampshire with Mortimer, you know, because yeah. uh, if be cool. we can find a track and that, you know, so we're looking at Manchester, we were looking at Manchester, England. Um, and then okay. we're thinking about coming to Manchester, New Hampshire at some point, if, that, if we can make that happen. But, uh, and uh, we're always doing them twice a year in San Francisco all the yeah. time you know, with West Valley Track Club. So just, you know, uh, always welcome and just let us know uh, when you're coming and we, were, we can let you know when ours are. And those are the good ones. Like, you know, we always, we've had people run under five in San Francisco a few times at uh, Keysar. So Very cool, come on man. in. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on, Nick. We're looking forward to uh, to the 2020 World Beer Mile Classic. Yeah, and team-wise, don't sleep. This is the first year. You know, USA and Canada have always been one, too. Like, Sweden is looking really good this year. They have, like, less uh, less quarantine rules, and they have, you know, they're really coming. They're really com They're really putting it together, and it's a, a tribute to Marcus Lewing. What a, what a factor for the gamblers out there. You got to take consideration <laughs> yeah, right. the home country's gambler, uh, quarantine rules. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, you know, we know of, you know, there's injuries and uh, people, you know, people's preparation might be a little bit different this year. Um, so, you know, uh, it'll be really interesting to see who, who makes the podium this year. So um, I'm, I'm cheering for Phil, Phil Paramigas to finally crack the top three at our event, but he's been, he's been right there the last, you know, since the beginning. So. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. That interview with Nick McFalls is brought to you by Bell Lab Track and Field Gear, where all of the money goes back to professional athletes. Look good, feel good, 
run good with the help of the bell app track and field boys you're going to be swagged out and you're going to be helping the sport you got to get there get to their instagram page now i told you a million times listen up you dummies yeah bell app track and field gear we love those guys go follow them you know a couple people sent us some pictures of some fresh gear that they just bought off a bell app um our boy colin just got a whole new kit from bell app he's looking fresh so uh go check him out if you can't if you can't watch the pro athletes right now by their by their shit that's right that's right so hey we got we're we're on the second half of today's episode we got something a little bit different for you guys so the peak too early boys you know we're growing we're we got a lot more work than we've had in in you know previous episodes previous months more than we had this time last year work's ramping up life's getting crazy so we've been in the we've been on the look for a producer, somebody to kind of help us put this podcast together on a weekly basis, maybe help, help out with some videos. So what we're doing today is we're going to interview one of the top candidates for this role. So we have uh, Patrick Florence is going to be interviewing for the role of producer. So uh, we're just going to hammer him with questions and see if he's, if he's fit for this role. So does anybody want to kick it off? Anybody want to ask Pat the, the first question? Yeah, I'd like to go ahead. Um, uh, P flow. So we need to bring in a producer because we are not good with technology and it's just not our, our strong suit. We need someone who knows what they're doing, who can really help the gang out. What I'm concerned about is it took 25 minutes jumping back from <laughs> Skype to zoom, trying to get you on the air here tonight. How can, how can we trust you as the producer of this show? If you can't even log on to Skype? Um, well, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Pat. Um, I'm doing for the role of producer of Peak Too Early, uh, a job that I've been training for for a while. Um, the job wasn't even listed when I posted it. Um, none of them said that, but I'll, I'll just jump right into your first question. That's fair. I'll be honest with you. There are no excuses. Um, I'm not an excuse guy, but if I was going to make one, I would say that you texted me that you guys were running a little behind because your interview before me was running late and I didn't know others were interviewing for the position because I thought the position was actually closed when I applied. I just kind of shot my shot. So the fact that I thought somebody else was actually interviewing for it really rattled me. So that actually threw me way off. Um, but again, no excuses. So I do apologize for that. We're off to a just a terrible start here, but I'm going to try to make it back up. Big comeback interview for me. Today. So Pat, Pat, the the fact that you don't that you don't know that we do interviews almost every single episode on this podcast concerns me. Have you ever listened to an episode of Peak Too Early? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Florence, when's the last time you listened to a Peak Too Early episode? I listen to Peak Too Early all the time. Sometimes I double up, I'll triple up because I need to be prepared, but. I was like, maybe they're interviewing a runner. That makes a lot of sense. But just the fact that I'm more nervous for this interview right now than I have been for any job interview I've had in my entire life. So then all of a sudden I'm like, maybe they're actually interviewing other people for this. So maybe you were, maybe you weren't, but that made me a little nervous. And that's my excuse, even though I don't make them. So I think one of, uh, when I was digging through your resume, one of the biggest draws that we had to you as a candidate was, uh, you know, your claim to being a non-runner. And I think it's a good perspective to, to bring to the show. However, I'm a little concerned because I've been seeing a lot of Snapchats and Instagrams of you doing a lot of running lately. Do you think that this hurts your case to be the non-runner perspective on this show? No, I don't. I think it actually helps it because I've tried to 
to ramp up my running game recently. And the real issue I have is I was a catcher and I have some serious catcher knees. So I'm like a two mile max runner. Um, I get out there and I get it going. But if I hit the two mile thing, my knee, I feel like is about to just blow up on me. So I start to kind of trip. I'm going to try to extend that. The thing that actually has really encouraged me to run, and I actually, I think I'm starting to have an addiction to it, is I wrote in a question to you guys a couple of weeks ago. And I said, what do I do if I'm, I'm out there for two miles max? I'm not looking to push it. I'm just out there to get it going a little bit, get the engines going. And if someone runs up next to me, because I'm in Boston in the North End here, what do I do? Because I don't feel like getting into a race and I had the complete wrong mindset. So I took your guys' advice and I actually have an addiction now to like chasing down and going by runners that run slower than me. And it's the biggest hard running move probably ever, but I don't care. I listened to you guys and I was like, I'm going to give this a go. And I did it two weeks ago and I sent, sent you a Snapchat as I was running by the kid. And then I did it again tonight. And so I'm two for two in two weeks doing it. So I'm actually listening to the podcast. I'm actually taking your advice. And I can't wait to get out there next week and do it again because I'm starting to get addicted. So, Pat, around this time last year, you posted a video saying how you have committed and decided to run a marathon. And I just want to ask you, how did that marathon go? And what marathon did you run? Well, to clarify... To clarify, I left myself a little bit of a, an escape route there. And it was either to run a marathon or I think to race John McSwiggin, one or the other. I purposely did that to make sure I had an out and I wouldn't have this question forced on me and I would have to say I failed. Um, I did start to train, but then again, I was like, there's just no way I can do this. Um, although I just think, you know, I was mentally weak and I could, I think I can do it. And I'm hoping that maybe this will catapult me into a, a life of running that maybe I can get it done. Um, again, I'm easy excuse the knees, but I don't know. I Matt, need to, uh, let me stop you. I need to let, be better. Let me stop you. The correct answer is marathons are dumb. I'm not doing that shit. That's the correct answer. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to be taken seriously as a candidate for this job, you need to understand that saying you're going to do things and then not doing them is it's like a requirement kind of the, for the job. Yeah, it's kind of the brand. It's kind of what we do here. <laughs> I got I to gotta change the subject here to get something that's really important. Um, Mr. Flo, you, you obviously support, you know, kind of doing whatever it takes to win, even if it's screwing people over. And we started that by your support of Steve during the weekly mileage challenge. And I just want to know, um, how will you screw people over to help us as a podcast be better? Oh, fuck off. Um. I am a big do whatever it takes to win guy. And that doesn't stop in the podcast game. Um, I don't really know what I'll do yet, but I promise you if I have to bury another podcast or do whatever like that, <laughs> that gets me going. It excites me to, to do whatever I can do. And I think I've made it clear here. If I become the producer, when I become the producer of this podcast, I don't care if people think I'm a joke because I don't know anything about running um, or if people just hate me because maybe I have a take that could hate me, all the runners don't like because I'm a, you know, I come in here as a non-runner. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but if I have to be the bad guy to the fans or if I have to be the bad guy that other podcasts hate when we take them down, I am a hundred percent ready and willing and looking forward to, you know, taking that role. 
For sure. On on that note, would you uh, be willing to fight a professional runner for a member of the podcast if it was required? I think I've already proven that I'm ready to do that. And that's all. Like I said, I'm, I, I was more nervous for this interview probably more than anything, so I want to keep it as professional as I can. I think I've already proven um, that I'm, I'm ready to do that. I love you guys already. You guys are like family to me. Um, and I'll do whatever it takes to, to be the best podcast in the world, but more importantly, to protect my, you know, the stars of this podcast. Cause I know I'm just hopefully going to be the lowly producer, but you guys are the stars. I'll do anything I can to protect you guys. Good answer. I like that. So I got, a, I got some quick word association for you. So I'm going to say a word and I just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Running. Fast. All right. All right. Great taste. Buffalo chicken pizza. That's that's a rough answer right there. Trent's mustache. Electric. Flow track. Sucks. Tom Brady. The goat. P2E showdown champ. Grit, desire, will to win. Love it. Love it. You, you drop right the ball. You drop the ball in great taste. But other than that, gr- good good answers across the board. Oh, Mike, Mike, great taste. Less filling. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Similar to um, what what Steve had going on there. Um, this next segment, I'm going to list three names, and I want you to tell me. Which one is your uh, favorite runner? Okay. You ready? Just pick one out of the three. Just your favorite runner and maybe a reason why. Okay. All right. Tony Reynolds. All right. Craig Franklin. Or Mondo Numai. Which one's your favorite runner? All right. Out of those three... I'm going to say that my favorite runner is Craig Engels. I've been a huge Craig Engels fan my entire time listening to this podcast. I think he is the face of running, and I think we should help build him up. Um, everything that guy does, I listen to both his podcasts on here. Um, the way that he, you know, he rides around in his van, he's got the mustache, he's crushing beers after he finishes a race. Like That's the guy I think running, running should be just totally gone after. He should be the face of the sport. So yeah, Craig Engels. You didn't, you, didn't like the, you didn't like the other three runners I listed? I didn't know any of the runners that you listed, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I just I made them up. They're not real people. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Craig is um, runner. So, honestly, if I get on this job and we – if I get this job and we could have him on again, can't wait to talk to that kid. Like, that, I'm a fanboy out because he just is the man. Great, dude. So we, we had a couple out-of-the-box questions uh, from Steve and Mike. I have one uh, as well. I'd like to make sure the producer of this show is you know, a good critical thinker. So I definitely didn't just Google this. I, I definitely had this question ready to go. But um, Pat, three ants are sitting at the three corners of an equilateral triangle. Well, Each ant... Oh, Sorry. Uh, three ants are sitting at the three corners of an equilateral triangle. Each ant starts randomly... Um, picks a direction and starts to move along the edge of the triangle. What is the probability that none of the ants collide? 
how big is the triangle? That's not important. That's a critical part of this question. Six feet each side. Okay. Well, it's not that big, so the probability is pretty high that they're going to run into each other, but at the same time, I think they're going to hit in like a minute. Because okay. they're, I don't know if you've ever been like if you ever grew up and poured water on an ant hole. I know that's probably a messed up move, but like they're just going a mile a minute. So eventually they're going to hit, and it's not that big. If you had told me it was like a hundred yards every way, then maybe never. Okay, I appreciate uh, seeing how you thought that through and seeing your critical thinking skills there. That was that was helpful for us. Thank you. Hi, right, Flo. This is the last question for me, and then turn it over to the other two guys. See if they have any last question. What is your greatest strength and your biggest weakness? Wow, it's a great question, Steve. Um, I'll just, I'm just going to steal it from my cover letter um, that I sent to you guys. I'd say my biggest, I'll start with my weakness. My biggest weakness is, I've, as I've already proven, I stay up too late creating content for Peak Too Early. And my biggest, you know, my biggest weakness actually is my greatest strength. Um, so that just kind of proves it. And I did like, that's the worst joke in the entire world, but that's what I, I came in with. So that's what I'm going to stick with. I like it. Uh, very important. What's the greatest movie ever made? Wow. The greatest movie ever made. <clears throat> this is a critical point in the interview, just so you know. It's okay. Um, the great, I'm just going to go with the first one that came to mind. Um, and it's Happy Gilmore. It's the best movie ever. It's someone that, you know, a lot of similarities with me and Happy and Happy and uh, Happy and me in this one um, that he was, took out of his element a little bit. He's a hockey player. He's playing golf today. You know, I'm a I'm a baseball guy and I'm running today and I'm and I'm going to produce a running podcast today. So, what an answer! I can give you a round of applause for that one. That was a great interview answer. Well done. Thank you. I don't even have a last question. I think uh, we can go right on. We can go out on that. All right, Pat, we're going to take some time. Go ahead. Have, I actually have one more thing. I prepared um, – I mean, you guys are like unbelievable interviewers, but the toughest interview question is tell me a little bit about yourself. You guys didn't really give me a little bit of that. So I, I wrote a little something for you guys that um, I thought I would share. Um, so I'm just going to give it a go here. Like you guys, I'm a little bit crazy. You're the 11th into my jam. I'm always down for a good time, like Craig Ingalls' van. I love to travel, went to Atlanta for a business trip. I've never been on a podcast before. Ain't that a pip? You've done this podcast for a long time without me, and it makes me sad. All the good times we could have had. I ain't whack like Flow Track. I love Miller Lite and a shot of Jack. Trent called me questionable. What's up with that? My boy Fleet Mac, here's a fact. I'm bringing some rhythm to this podcast. Rat a tat tat tat. I'm here to produce, keep things loose, to get more fans like Colin. That's the truth. Go Ducks. I ain't gonna stop until P2E is at the top. When Corona is over, you better say cheers because we'll podcast in person. I'll bring the beers. Let's go. <laughs> He's hired. He's hired. I'm not the hiring manager here, but I, I, I think, I'm going to pass I think, you along to the next round of interviews. That's for all, sure. 
all of the applicants beware. That was that was uh, that was phenomenal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I love it. Love it. Okay. All right. All right, Pat. Thanks. You can uh, you can step outside for for a second. All right, boys. Uh, what do you think? Did he get the job? Yeah, I mean, so there was definitely some answers that concerned me. Um, you know, stuff that we might need to to work on and, and, and talk to him about. But there was a couple answers that stuck out, and I just I think uh, it put me in a good mindset. And uh, you know, honestly, he was the only applicant, so anybody who would would take this job off my hands right now would just be a real good help. So I don't know what you guys think. I will say that the, the fact that he didn't know great taste, less filling is a little concerning. I mean, not, not great, not great. But then his little speech at the end there. Yeah. He made up. For it, it. Yeah. Not so bad. Rough start, right? Definitely rough start with whole, whole technology issues that we had. And, and I got to say, I was, I was definitely um, not convinced for most of it, but at the very end there, you know, that, that final answer, that, uh, that work of art that he presented to us, uh, I, I, I vote, I vote yay. I vote yay. All right, Pat, you can come on back in the room here. Hey, guys. All right, Pat. We want to uh, offer you the position of the peak too early podcast producer. What do you think? Let's go! All right. All right, team. So Pat is going to be joining us on most episodes. We're going to be throwing it to him for – the non-runner perspective every once in a while he's going to be commenting here and there throughout the podcast but he's going to be here to help us and so our goal is going to be to keep turning out awesome awesome content you know like we said in our instagram post last week we've been doing this for a little bit over a year but the rest of the running world better start paying attention to us because we're just getting started there's no stopping the peak too early train because uh you know, we, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to take over the sport and be the, become the number one um, media outlet in the sport. So Pat's going to help us get there. On that, boys, why don't we kick off the bell lap? So, Pat, are you ready for a bell lap? Your first bell lap? I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I All right, just... Pat, why don't, you, why don't you give us your bell lap? Well, guys, it's good to be here. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be part of the – the squad, I know I've helped in uh, some video ways before, but to actually be part of this, I've been a fan from day one to actually be on here and may, you know, see how the, uh, the back end st- stuff goes. I, I can't wait to get it going. So it's just good to be here. That's pretty much all I have, except I, to all the listeners, I'm here to hold the superstars accountable too. Okay. Cause I know they can be divas sometimes. I already have a couple of things just being on for like 10 minutes. Trent, the light behind me is terrible. Your head's sometimes in light, sometimes it's not. So we're going to have to fix that. Mike, you sometimes pull away from the microphone while you're reading your notes. So we got to fix that. Steve, you've actually been okay. And I know I'm, I'm siding a pro. With Steve. I'm a pro. I know I'm siding with Steve a lot lately, Trent. So I apologize for that. Steve, you've been okay. But I'm watching. So to the listener, <laughs> I've got these guys. We'll keep things going. And I just can't. I'm very happy to be part of it and can't wait to take this thing to the top. Mike, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Uh, I appreciate the criticism uh, right off right off the bat there. Flo, I wasn't expecting that, but hey, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Uh, my Bell app is 
where track and field is dropping, you know, stuff like the impossible games and making efforts, other sports like, uh, you know, we've made it no uh, secret here that we're big baseball fans are really dropping the ball and just really pissing me off. And uh, it's been a while since I've gotten on a good rant about baseball, but summer starts this weekend, literally like on my calendar, there's a little thing on the 22nd or something like that that says summer starts. And the fact that we're going to hit the beginning of summer with no baseball and no baseball in, in anywhere near us, just it is one of those moments again throughout this whole thing that just like really is just a, a you know, a kick in the balls. And I'm just like, so I don't know. I, that I just felt like I needed to, to vent my feelings about the lack of baseball in my life. Couldn't agree more. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? I am, I am brutally embarrassed to say that Mike stole my bell app on this one. I had the same thought as he did. I wanted to say shout out to track and field for doing what they can to put on some content. What the hell baseball, how can we not figure this out? Um, but you know, Mike had his rant, so I'll stay away from it. I will just say I'm excited for our new producer. So welcome to the team. Uh, I, we were maybe, uh, just, just shop talking some nicknames earlier. Uh, Pro Flow, maybe Producer Flow. I don't know. Uh, producer P Flow, Producer Pat. There's, there's some names that we could workshop here. Uh, but welcome to the team, Producer Flow. Guys, we talked about it at the top of the episode. We got a peak too early virtual race coming up. It's the only way you can get some of the new gear with the new fire logo. We're debating the distance of this virtual race. We're thinking maybe a two mile race, maybe a 5K, maybe a 10K, maybe some obscure distance. So, why don't you hop in our DMs if you have any opinions on the distance of the first ever P2E virtual race. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight I don't want to lose your love Like you have to submit all your assignments by Sunday at like 11:30 p.m. every week, and the very first week on like Saturday, I got an email from my professor titled <laughs> "Concerned about the lack of activity in the class so far." <laughs> <laughs> so I like logged in for the very first time, and apparently there was like class discussions I was supposed to be part of like the entire week, and I just missed like, every <laughs> single one of them. What a stellar start. When that's the subject line. <laughs>